0: I think it starts with your first visit, whether you're seeing a doctor or a midwife, you go through a thousand things like we are covering it all. And we are trying to have a huge amount of education in a time that is way too short because here in the United States, we love to only make 15 minute appointments or, you know, it's not what it should be. And so a lot does get left out.
1: Welcome to Sex, Body, and Soul. I'm Kate Roberts, founder of The Body Agency. And on this show, we talk about the marvel that is our bodies, what they can do and what they need to thrive. Ladies out there, our time is now. Let's get to it. I am absolutely thrilled to welcome back onto the show, Dr. Jennifer Lincoln. Her passion is helping girls and women and those assigned female at birth to understand their bodies. She is the author of Let's Talk About Down There. She is a mom of two teens. She is married to a doctor and herself, she is an OBGYN. Today we will talk about all the marvels of pregnancy. What happens to our bodies and what your doctor does not tell you during pregnancy, postpartum, and breastfeeding. Welcome to the show, Dr. Jen Lincoln. Dr. Jen Lincoln, welcome back to the show. I'm so glad to be back. I feel like I was just
0: here. I love
1: it. I am so glad that you are back too. And a huge congratulations on the launch of your book. Let's talk about down there.
0: How's it going? Thank you. Yeah, because the last time we were here, it was sort of on the launch pad. It was just before it came out. And now it's out there. And it's it's great. I'm getting wonderful feedback from people. Just got one the other day, this mom who said, my daughter won't talk to me about anything, but I got her your book. And now she's talking to me. And we threw away the summer's eve. And I thought, that's it. I'm done. I can retire now. Oh, It's all, you know, I've peaked. <laughs>
1: I wish I wish I could have that conversation with my daughter. She's still running away when I chase her around the house with the Volvo puppet. She's like, ooh, <laughs> ooh, mommy, what are you doing? I'm like, just know you have to know this stuff. She'll get there. She'll yeah. get there. Now, I happen to know that you were recently on the Women's March. Yes. Tell me about that. Yeah. What were you campaigning for?
0: So our local one, it was the Portland March for Reproductive Rights. And it was this amazingly organized... March, um, that we were protesting SB8, Senate Bill 8 in Texas, which is a disgusting law meant to limit the choice of people with a uterus in Texas Mm -hmm. and um, got to speak out, got to tell, you know, tell my story. My, My speech was really dedicated to not the people who were there supporting us, but to those who are really against abortion because they think that we have to talk to each other. And it was Mm -hmm. wonderful to see this intersectional event. You know, it was, it included everybody. It was for everybody with a uterus, everybody, especially trying to center BIPOC women because they often get left out of the conversation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, It was great. It was my first march too. And it just felt super empowering and it for sure will not be my last. Mm.
1: You know, I'm super happy to hear you say that because vagina owners come in all shapes and sizes with all different sexual Mm -hmm. identification. And I think when a lot of people think about the women's march, they think about women, right? Right. But actually it's, it's all, all types and it's diverse. Yeah. And specifically
0: in Portland, they wanted to make sure they included everybody. So they were not part of the official women's March and they wanted to have their own more inclusive March, which I think is great. And I think it's okay if you've never thought about this before, or you've never been like, I didn't realize that that language might be, you know, exclusionary. I didn't either until a couple of years ago. And when I first heard it, I actually really bristled and I thought, we're erasing women and this is silly and it is anything but that. It is mm-hmm. just bringing more people to the table and it's, mm-hmm. it's not silly at all. So I've come to it slowly and I think as we use this language more, it will just become our normal language and it'll yes. be great. Yes.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, this show, I want to talk about the mysteries of pregnancy yes. and also it's postpartum, which we know mm-hmm. a lot of women suffer. Now, I only made one human myself.
0: I think that's pretty good. One human. Yes,
1: I have the one human rule for myself. Mm -hmm. And of course, only went through pregnancy and childbirth one time. And Mm -hmm. let me tell you that I did get the book, you know, What to Expect When You're Expecting, but I had no idea some of the things that were going to happen to me. So let's talk Mm -hmm. about that, especially where it pertains to down there, right? Uh, Which is what your book is all about. Oh, yeah. Let's talk about the different stages of what's normal and what's not. And what should we what what does our doctor not tell us when Mm -hmm. we are pregnant
0: that you think
1: people need to know about?
0: Yeah, I think it starts with, you know, your first visit, whether you're seeing a doctor or a midwife, right? You go through a thousand things like we are covering it all and we are trying to have a huge amount of education in a time that is way too short because here in the United States, we love to only make 15 minute appointments or, you know, it's not what it should be. And so a lot does get left out. Mm-hmm. And we say, oh, read this book, read that. But I think it can be hard, especially not everybody's going to dive into a book to to research things. They're going to go to the internet and there's a lot of bad stuff out there. I don't think we do enough talking about vulvar changes, labia changes that happen in pregnancy, mm-hmm. because To us, we're we're like, well, that's no big deal. But to somebody who thinks that, oh my goodness, my labia darkened and and it's cancer, or look at them, they're uneven. Look at that side, Mm. this is cancer. Mm. And we don't talk about those. So we could totally, we could break those down because I think those are some of my favorite Mm. topics for sure. Now,
1: why don't I give you some of the myths that are out there and you can address them. I'm going to fire all sorts of questions at you. Okay. Yeah. When I got pregnant, I thought to myself, if I push a baby out of there, my labia and my vagina um, is going to get all floppy and loose and hang out of my body.
0: Yes. (laughs) Okay. Does that happen? Yes or no? Yeah. So that is, yeah, that's one thing I hear all the time. It's like, is it going to just be destroyed, right? Like we haven't been giving birth for millennia and, you know, it's just going to fall out and, and it's done. No, I mean, the vagina is literally, it's a tube of muscles. Its whole purpose is to allow the passage of a baby and then be done with that. The vagina changes in amazing ways. So your hormone levels change in pregnancy that allow for ligaments to relax and things to relax so a baby can come out and then they go back and things, you know, your hormone levels go back to where they were. And so, no, it can, It definitely goes back to what it's like. Now, is it going to be 100% the same? Potentially not. Potentially if you've got some worse tearing or if you have a very large baby or you've pushed for five hours mm. down the road, you could potentially and you, you are at higher risk, but you could potentially develop something that we call prolapse, where things, you know, like the uterus hangs down a bit lower, the mm-hmm. bladder, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But it's not like your vagina dilates and it stays there and like flaps in the wind. Right. <laughs> that's not <laughs> the case at all. And quite frankly, um, here's the good news is that most people with a vagina don't notice any difference with sex afterwards mm. because the reality is, is that where we get our pleasure from is from our clitoris, not yes. from the a lot of the vagina itself. So no, I would say that's a, Way overblown myth, not to say that for some people it might not happen, but it's way overblown how it's presented in Mm. in society.
1: When I was pregnant, I was very worried about having sex. I used to think to myself, oh, my God, that penis is now banging up against my baby's head. (laughs)
0: Yeah. Yeah. I will tell you, male partners tend to be more worried about this. And I laugh. I'm like, how big do you think your penis is? You know? Exactly. Exactly. Bless your heart. Yeah. Bless your heart. Um, No. So the good news is that you can have sex in pregnancy unless your provider has told you that you shouldn't. Like if you've got some high risk situations like placenta previa or your preterm and you've given birth preterm and you're having contractions. I mean, there are some reasons you shouldn't, but for the vast majority of people, it's totally fine. So when you are pregnant, your cervix is about three to four centimeters long. So, I mean, you can like measure that yourself Mm -hmm. and that is closed and it's long and that's the barrier. That's like the opening of the uterus, the barrier between outside and inside the uterus. So could the penis potentially hit the cervix? Yeah, totally. And it could be uncomfortable for some people, Mm -hmm. but it's not like it's Going in there and opening up the cervix and causing dilation, so it's totally okay to have sex. Um, and some people in pregnancy like love having sex, and if yeah. they are in that category, God bless them and go for it. Yeah, that was not
1: that was not me. I can assure you, I went into no. I'm growing yeah, a baby. It's not many. Yeah, <laughs> no, but I do hear from a lot of it's my friends many. that they were the horniest they've mm-hmm. ever been when they were pregnant. Obviously, their hormones yeah. were raging, and yeah, but yeah. but yeah, that was not me. Lucky um, them. Yeah. You know same. <laughs> and, and then when I did force myself to have sex when I was pregnant, I started bleeding. And of course I was like, okay, mm-hmm. no,
0: no, I'm losing the baby. I freaked yeah. out. Is this normal? Right. Yeah. It is the vast majority of people in pregnancy will bleed at some point, And the vast majority of people go on to have no complications. So if you have had sex and you're bleeding and you're worried, don't hesitate to call us. We can totally talk you through it, but it can be normal, especially with that cervix that we talked about. The Mm -hmm. outside part of it, because of the hormones of pregnancy, can become a little friable or prone to bleed. Those blood vessels are just a little more sensitive. Mm -hmm. And so those can you know, sometimes pop and bleed. It's not concerning. It's not dangerous to you or to your baby. But if it's worrying you or it's heavy or you're having pain with it, then yeah, you do need to call us. But again, the vast majority of people who do have bleeding in pregnancy, Mm -hmm. they go on to deliver nice, healthy, happy babies.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So let's go through this for a second. I see you have your
0: Body sure agency,
1: pulver coaster, and and by the way, for you Me listeners do love out there, uh we're going to be doing a nightstand promotion with Dr. Lincoln's book. Let's talk about down there, and you'll be getting a free gift. So make sure Yay! that you log on, give us your email, and you and the lucky winners, we will let them know. So let's talk through oh, this. Love it. Okay, okay. So my
0: favorite thing for yes. all
1: of you listening, I'm holding up the. PBA, Volva diagram that gives, and I hope this is accurate. I, I went down there myself with a little mirror. I took a look see <laughs> and then I drew. Did you it. draw this?
0: I did. Oh my gosh. I know. You're full service. I know. <laughs> it's amazing what you
1: can do. Yeah. When you've had a few glasses no, of wine. No, it's great. It's totally great. Yeah. So yeah. Tell, us, tell us about this and what is the biggest misconception mm-hmm. of what goes on down there? Uh, Not
0: necessarily when you're pregnant, but in
1: general. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, I would say the biggest misconception. So what you've got labeled under the clitoral hood is the clitoris, which is fantastic. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people think that's it. They think it's this little little button and that's it. But truly, it's got these little legs. They're not so little. They go down the side of the labia inside. And you've got it written here as clitoral legs, which is right under there. Mm -hmm. And I love that because most people don't know that. Yet, people who masturbate or who use toys and they realize, like, oh, wow, it's not just at that clitoris, but it's down on the sides here, too. Like, I like that, too. Yeah. There's a reason it's because clitoral tissue is going down there. Yeah. So, I so think if that's you put your finger on it and
1: then you rub down, mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. is a nice sensation. Is that why? Yeah, that's totally why. It's because of those little legs down there. You're hitting that. I did Absolutely. not know that. This is amazing, Jen. <gasps> dun, 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 dun. This is amazing. Okay.
0: <laughs> oh, my God. Yay. Okay. Yeah. The other misconception I would say too is about the hymen because a lot of people, there's this big, like, oh my gosh, when you first have sex, your hymen's going to break. And there's so much myths about the hymen and virginity. But you've got it drawn nicely here that there might be some hymenal tags kind of at the base of the vagina. And some people have it. Some people won't. Some people notice their hymen. Some people never notice any bleeding because it can break or, you know, quote unquote, tear when you're doing other things like falling off a bike, or when you're a kid, or riding a horse, or just playing. So you may or may not see those, but it's good to know that if you do see that, it's okay. It's normal. Mm. Um, I've
1: got a political question for you. I don't know if these coasters exist anywhere else, but I just thought it was a really fun idea to both educate men, but also educate women, because most women mm-hmm. have not gone down there with a mirror and looked at everything. I mean, I really didn't know what a clitoris was until probably mm-hmm. my 20s? Nobody had told me. Why why do these and you've gone ahead and written this book, which is so bold Mm -hmm. and so needed, and it's an amazing book. I've read it, it's brilliant. Oh why have we really not put this information out there? I mean, there's just so much stuff about the penis, and you know, penises are great, right? I love penises, but yeah, what's the stigma
0: associated Mm -hmm. to our vagina? And above yeah. us. Well, it's it's just the whole concept that vaginas are dirty. So there's that whole thing. But truly, Kate, I think it's because the clitoris solely exists for pleasure, and we don't care about women's pleasure in this country. And when you think back to sex education and how we don't do it right, we barely cover it in most schools. And when we do, we just cover how not to get pregnant. So the clitoris there yeah. is completely irrelevant. And so it just all of that sets people up to think, well, it can't be that important because we never talk about it. My parents never told me about it. I didn't learn about it in school and it has nothing to do with pregnancy. So whatever. And so people are left to, you know, they have no idea. And Mm -hmm. it's not until you research it yourself or you're having issues that you, it might be brought up. So I'm hoping it's changing. And I hope that we understand that the clitoris matters. She's the best part of your body because it literally is, you know, it's the only organ that exists just to help you feel good. I mean, how freaking cool is that? Yeah. So we're going to change that game, hopefully. We, we are going to change you know, that. Between our hopefully. books and our coasters and our puppets.
1: <laughs> well, I think I think the coasters and the puppets are great stocking stuffers over Christmas time, especially for oh, the totally. men in our family. They can
0: put their drinks yeah, down on the coasters. Yeah, it's not coaster. just... Exactly. And be like, oh, that's a conversation starter. But I'll tell you. So we put together these influencer boxes with my book, and your amazing puppet was in there. And so many of my friends that I sent it to showed... Like, their kids were playing with it. Like, it's a toy. It's fun. Like, what is that? Oh, it's a vulva. So it's starting, like, three and four and five-year-olds who are like, well, it's just another body part, you know? And I love, like, I love that, like, that's just part of their house now, you know? And this is what we should be doing as parents is not making it a shameful thing we don't talk about. So I'm so glad that you did that.
1: It's funny that also with the co-star, I've been on a couple of podcasts talking about it and with male hosts, and they're like, oh, really? That's where it mm-hmm. is. I'm like, are you are you yeah. kidding me? You are a 50-year-old me, man.
0: <laughs> but this is a great, like you said, it's a great conversation starter. Yeah. Put these out in your house the next time you have a gathering and just see, what, see happens. what happens. Because truly, every time is a chance for education. And when you make it fun, like, oh, it's right here, like. You're breaking the stigma that you can't talk about it. You You know, know? Jen, I I have to
1: tell you that I'm off to the World Economic Forum later next week, and uh, there's going to be sort of 70 leaders from all over the world.
0: And let me guess, they're mostly white men or not so much? is
1: it international? It is international. But Mm -hmm. yes, usually when I go to Davos, it's mostly men in gray suits and they'll put the token woman on the panel, you know, just because they know they have to. But in this case, it's a group of young global leaders and... Um, oh, and we're a special group and it's completely 50-50. And so it's it's oh, nice. equal men and women. And I'm actually going it. to gift them all these puppets and just get their yeah. reactions and film it. Yeah. Because yes. I... I can't wait to see no, it. No, <laughs> I know. I'm really excited about it, to be honest. Um, yeah. But anyway, back to you and pregnancy. So mm-hmm. one thing that I do want to ask you is during your... 10 months, because I was pregnant for 10 months. Like this whole nine months business, if you take it from the day you get pregnant.
0: We don't tell people that. Yeah, Yeah. That's like our secret of like, we just say 40 weeks. And if you do the math, yeah, you realize it. We don't want people to get angry at us. Uh, Like,
1: what the hell? But we have to start being (laughs) honest because I'm like, hang on, I should have had the baby by now. I've been nine months pregnant. Right. So 10 months (laughs) pregnant, what discharge wise should we be looking out as those months go by, is it mm-hmm. does it change? Yeah. Do we still mm-hmm. ovulate when we're pregnant? Because you know you get the sort of yeah. spongy, gooey stuff when
0: you're ovulating. So mm-hmm. talk us through right. the, yeah. the, the, that situation. Yeah. Good news is no ovulation while you're pregnant, so mm-hmm. that that you don't worry about that and getting pregnant with multiple babies. I do think there are some species out there that they do continue to ovulate, which is oh, those poor. women. Mm -hmm. But discharge, it can change and it really, towards the end of pregnancy, it can feel like a lot. And it's because Mm -hmm. what we say, the vagina is a self-cleaning oven. I mean, your body is continuing to get rid of all the old mucus and cells and that cervix is acting like that little wall or barrier. And you will notice more discharge as you start to dilate and soft the cervix softens a little bit. Mm -hmm. There's this idea of the mucus plug, which I just wish I could get rid of the whole concept, calling it like this one entity, because people hear when your mucus plug falls out, like you could go into labor. The baby could be coming anytime. It's going to come tomorrow. And that's totally false because that it's a continuous kind of mucus gob of discharge that the cervix makes. And you may notice kind of a clump come out if your cervix is a little open or a little soft, but it in no way, shape or form is predictive of when your baby is coming. So Mm -hmm. it's an interesting thing. You can let us know, but we're not going to like send you into the hospital for it. And it can, it's kind of gross. It can be like boogers a little bit, like a little thicker. Sometimes there's a streak of blood in it, again, not worrisome. And so it can be a lot. And it's sometimes you might think, is this normal? Or if you don't know if it's your bag of water breaking, that's a great time to come in and get checked out because it can be hard to tell, but it's a mucusy process and it definitely increases Mm -hmm. as you get closer to delivery for sure. But if it's itching or burning or seems like water, or something just isn't right, and you're scared. Like, let us know because we can talk you through it. You might not even have to come in because we, the power of telehealth. Like, you can show us a picture yeah, or whatever. Yeah. So,
1: okay. Now we do have to broach the subject of constipation because oh my god, it's the worst. So many women get constipated when they're pregnant, and you know your gynecologist does tell you no, do not do an emina. Is that what it's called? An emina. Mm-hmm. Um, Enema. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do not mm-hmm. do an emina. Okay, I'm saying it wrong. We'll move on. You know what I'm talking about. Um, I totally know what you mean. And um, and don't take laxatives. But that is mm-hmm. your your stomach is heavy, your backside is heavy. It's mm-hmm. so uncomfortable, and you you know you are for months. Basically, a lot of women are constipated. What do we do?
0: Yeah, the good news is you don't have to suffer. And I feel like there's two times when it feels the worst. Like right in the beginning of pregnancy, when those. Especially progesterone levels are so high and that bloat. And Mm -hmm. I remember both times when I was pregnant and had bloating and constipation, I was like, I'm clearly dying and I will never poop again. Thankfully, I did not and I did. (laughs) (laughs) And then towards the end, because again, the progesterone levels, it's slowing down the poop going through your intestines. And so you absorb more water and you get constipated. Mm -hmm. And then also, you've got this enormous uterus that's sitting on your intestines. So it's like a physical barrier. But There is help. And I truly would say it starts with things that aren't even medicines because sometimes we get accused of always prescribing something or we want to give you a drug. I think you can do great things without medicine Mm -hmm. at first. So staying hydrated, moving, exercise is huge. And not only for the 8 million other reasons that it's good in pregnancy, but it helps your intestinal transit time Decrease so you are going to be able to be less constipated because less water is getting absorbed. And diet is huge. So high fiber foods. I mean, yes, you can take, there are medicines that you can take, like stool softeners. We don't love laxatives, but sometimes we do have to do Mm -hmm. them and it's okay. But trying things like colase, sometimes milk of magnesia, and then, but foods like spinach and high fiber foods, and yes, prunes and raisins and Mm. all that nuts and that kind of stuff to help things through. But if you are really struggling, I mean, Kate, I have had to disimpact people who got to the point where they couldn't. And I did it, and it was like afterwards, they were like, thank you, Jesus, and we moved on. But sometimes it can be really, really uncomfortable. So,
1: then the issue of sleep. Poop, sleep, mm. oh, discharge. So I know. You know. Isn't it so
0: sexy? So it's unfair. so hot being pregnant. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so what are some of your tips to be able to sleep? And of course, you can't take sleep medication.
0: Yeah. I mean, you can if you really need it. Like sometimes you can do visceral or Benadryl or melatonin, but you, jo- you want to try other things first mm. for sure. Like I like to get to the bottom of it and say, why aren't you sleeping? Is it because you're in pain because of your back? Is it because you're peeing all the time or is it because you just have insomnia, which is very real pregnancy insomnia, especially towards the end? Mother nature is kind of a bitch because you would think right before you're about to have a baby and be awake for months, she would let you sleep in preparation. But it's the total opposite. Like right before you deliver, many people have trouble sleeping. So I don't know about you, but I had that enormous pregnancy pillow. Oh, oh, I I loved it. I I actually preferred (laughs) it to my then
1: husband. Oh,
0: Absolutely. It changed my life. Yeah. And he was like, so we have a third person here. I was like, yeah. And if I had to pick the two, yep. like I would pick this because this one, I had terrible back pain in my in my second pregnancy, especially. And that was the only thing that could get me in a position, being comfortable, not having my belly with pressure. So mm-hmm. I think those things are worth their weight in gold. Oh, I do um, too. To find um, a friend who has one, like, oh my God. And then you can use it afterwards with positioning with, for breastfeeding too. So it's awesome.
1: I agree. That is the best tip that yeah. you can give anybody. Yeah. Now, yes, like buy the pillow for your friend. <laughs> the Actually, I got that pillow from a friend saying you can yeah. thank me later. Yes, exactly. Totally. So let's now fast forward to your delivery day. And personally, mm-hmm. I had very bad fibroids that grew and grew and grew. Mm. One grew to the size of a cabbage. Yeah. And so I had to have a C-section. Now, yeah. when my gynecologist told me I had to have a C-section, he was elated. And I'm like, why are you so happy? Mm -hmm. And he goes, well, let me tell you this. I don't think he's supposed to tell me this, but he told me that Mm -hmm. gynecologists and doctors much prefer a C-section, and he never told me why, but he Mm -hmm. basically said it's less trauma on the baby, it's quick and easy for us, and in your case, you have a massive fibroid, and the baby would suffer, and you would suffer trying to get around it. So what are your thoughts here on natural Mm -hmm. birth versus C-section? Or being too
0: posh to push. I will say too posh to push. (laughs) I would say that if him and I were in a room together, we would probably not be friends because I Mm. totally disagree with him. I think that, I mean, yeah, is it nice if you can schedule a C-section because you can get home to dinner with your kids? Sure. But like that is, we know that vaginal births, if they are able to be achieved and there aren't medical reasons, like you had a medical reason, we know that they're better for the person who's having a baby and for the baby. Mm. So I would say, no, no. And I would say anybody who's, to, who's OB-GYN tells them that, like, I would really yeah. question that whole thing because that's not what the American College of OBGYN says. That said, if you need a C-section, I don't want you to feel bad for it or think that you've done horrible harm to you or your baby because C-sections do save lives for sure. We do them for many reasons. It's just about finding the right reason, doing them for the Right reason and not overdoing it is super important. And yeah, and fibroids can totally suck. Um, They can get, you know, there's many reasons why C-sections might be needed. So yeah. Yeah.
1: Just for our listeners who don't Mm -hmm. know what a fibroid is, can you explain it and why do we get them? And they're so common, so common.
0: They are so super common. Um, fibroids are not cancerous growth. They're benign growth and of like fibrous tissue of the uterus. So like the muscle of the uterus, that's why they're called fibroids. And a lot of us have them and we have no idea. They might just be found incidentally, or you might never know. But what can happen in pregnancy is sometimes if you do have fibroids, they can grow in pregnancy. And for some people, they grow and then they run out of their blood supply and they, ha- they degenerate. It's called a degenerating fibroid which I think is like a great 80s band name. And it can cause significant pain in pregnancy. (laughs) Oh, my God. That's a whole separate issue. I was in such pain, I can't
1: tell you. All the way sort of down my back, I couldn't understand it. But Mm. now I know the baby was pushing on the fibroid, and that's why I was so uncomfortable. Oh, my God, it was so uncomfortable. Yeah, did love being pregnant, though, I have to say. I was elated through my pregnancy, even though I was in pain, I don't know. I think my mm-hmm. hormones were raging and I was just like walking on air.
0: I just loved being pregnant. Yeah. Same thing. Same thing with me, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But it's okay if you didn't love it. It's totally okay. Yes. I know. <laughs> well, we're, we're going to get we're going to get there. We're
1: going to get there. Now, we've had the baby, whether we've pushed it out or we've we've had a C-section. What they mm-hmm. don't tell you when you're going on your visits is that you give birth, of course, all the Fluids and whatnot come out. You immediately lose ten pounds, which is amazing. Mm-hmm. But then all sorts of stuff starts to come out—not just for one day, but for
0: two weeks. What is that? Yeah. And yeah. Why does it happen? So the official fancy term is called lochia, which is a very pretty word, I think, mm. for something that I don't think is that pretty. No. And it's basically the lining of the uterus. You know, you're shedding. That, because after you deliver, the placenta comes out and, you know, a lot comes out, but there's still the lining of the uterus. The uterus is shrinking down. And as it's doing that, it's expelling out that blood. The blood vessels of the uterus, they clamp down after delivery, but they continue, you know, you continue to bleed a little bit. The site where the placenta attached, that also comes out. And so it starts off, I tell people what's normal in the hospital. It's like a period, give or take, usually bright red, maybe some clots, That's usually the color. And then it'll change over time. So it'll get a little darker as you get further from your delivery. It might start to look a bit more like, you know, blood mixed with discharge. Uh, Lumpy. Yeah, exactly. And we, I tell people, you know, bleeding over six weeks is normal, but it should not be the same amount as the day you left the hospital. It should slowly taper off. And
1: and let's be honest, Mm -hmm. there's never a hospital that gives you Nice undies, or you know, you get these like big brick pads and horrible. Undies. Oh, they're huge! I, I mean, they're enormous. Yes.
0: So you know, yeah, I would. I will say, I loved, I loved my mesh underwear because they were these cute boy shorts. <laughs> I feel like they've upgraded their game, but the pads are enormous. Like enormous. We're talking, you know, yeah. like you could wrap your head around yeah, it. Totally. But you could use that. I a tell pillow. people in the hospital. <laughs> Oh, you could yeah. take all of it. Take all the shit they yes. give you because why should you have to spend the money? Totally. Take the diapers, take the pants, yeah. take the whatever. If you're not going to use it, a friend will. <laughs> yeah.
1: Now, just quickly onto the topic then of breastfeeding because we do know that breast milk is super mm-hmm. food for your baby. And it's so, oh, I mean, I was so lucky. My my daughter Lily went straight on my breast, literally came out straight on the breast oh, and was sucking away yeah. and that, First, what's it called? That first milk that comes out is mm-hmm. colostrum. colostrum and it's the miracle. Mm-hmm. Gives all your baby. I mean, I'm I'm making this up as I go along. So tell us about that.
0: <laughs> I just remember vaguely good, I like it. Reading yeah. About it. Yeah. Colostrum, it really is. It's like a superfood. I tell people it's like an energy bar or protein bar in that you don't need a lot, but it's got a ton packed in there. And really what we see in there are antibodies all sorts of good stuff. And your baby only needs very little because their bellies are very tiny, like smaller, you know, tiny marble when they're first born. So for my patients who are delivering, if they don't plan to breastfeed, um, I have the conversation, would you consider just a few days to get that colostrum? And if not, that's okay too. In my hospital, we have donor breast milk, which is awesome. And it's screened and it's pasteurized. So it's a great option if you can do it. And if you can't do it, it's totally okay. But yeah, it's like this It's like this crazy energy bar the first few days. And then once your milk transitions and your milk comes in, then it's higher volume and uh, more of the typical feeds that we see.
1: Yeah. So again, they don't give you a lot of help in the hospital. Let's be honest. They expect you to know all of this. And I had no idea how to breastfeed. And I think, you know, a lot of women suffer horribly because, Mm -hmm. whereas it's so wonderful and skin on skin and you bond with your baby and it's incredible... A lot of babies don't latch on, and then that can cause chafing, cuts, Mm -hmm. swelling. Yeah. Oh, and it's excruciating because you force yourself to do it because you know how good it is for the baby. What are some of the tips that you would
0: give? I think the number one thing I could say is before you give birth, look into where you're delivering. Because at my hospital, we have lactation consultants who are on all the time. Most of our nurses, our postpartum nurses, are also board-certified lactation consultants, and that makes a huge difference in the help that you get. Mm -hmm. You know, there are some hospitals where there might be a lactation consultant who's only on during the day and there's only one and the nurses are uncomfortable and it can be very regional for sure. I happen to practice in a part of the country where we have, you know, astronomical breastfeeding rates. So it becomes, can really depend on where you live. So asking your obstetric provider, hey, what kind of help will I get in the hospital? Do you have someone in the office who can help me? You know, and prepping yourself, there's only so much. It's great to read the books and do the classes, but really it's like riding a bike. Like you said, we tell people that it's this wonderful, natural thing. Yeah, so is walking, but it took us months to figure that out too. And we fell a lot in the meantime. So mm-hmm. don't think it's always going to be like in the movies where it's just, ah, you know, Pink it's okay ribbon it's in the not. Hair right yeah please like give me a break like there's the you know like you've seen like the um what is it Kate Middleton like after delivery and like what she looks like and what we all look like like it's very different yeah well she's had (laughs) a. and that's okay so if that's you yeah yeah if I had my team I'd look like that too so it's okay if it's bumpy at first like we can help you don't expect it to be this amazing thing right off the bat yeah
1: I did go after the hospital because I didn't get that lactation training or Mm -hmm. anything so I did go to a special breast feeding center and they told me to eat yeah. uh, because I wasn't getting a lot of milk. So I had to substitute mm-hmm. with formula, which I didn't necessarily sure. want to do, but I also had to travel. And that's another, and that's, that's another cool story, which actually I'm going to quickly tell when my baby was and yeah. because it's hilarious. And this is a challenge for us working moms, right? Like if we mm-hmm. have to travel after having our baby and a lot of us did before the pandemic, I had to go to Mongolia mm-hmm. and I took my electric breast pump with me. My daughter mm-hmm. was seven months old at the time and I, had, I was pushing and pushing and pushing to breastfeed her for as long as I possibly could. Anyway, the bottom line is I totally spaced out on the fact that the flight was 24 hours and I couldn't breast pump for 24 hours until I got to the hotel in Mongolia. And um, oh, no. my breasts were like melons. By the time, oh, I, I'm sure. Like, oh like my gosh, melons and completely <gasps> engorged. Yeah. I was in so much pain. Oh. I, I was just desperate. Plugged the breast pump in in Mongolia in the hotel, and I basically blew up the hotel. It wasn't the right. <laughs> and so I was stuck in Mongolia with engorged breasts, no breast pump, and anyway, the rest is for
0: another time. No. Oh, yes. That is a terrible story. The rest is for oh, another time. Oh my God. Um, yes. So
1: I went to the lactation center and they told me I should eat papaya. Mm-hmm. Now, do you know anything about that? Why should I eat papaya for breast milk? I have no idea.
0: Oh, okay. All right. So here's the thing about breast, what we call galactagogues, Mm -hmm. whether it's medicines or foods, they're meant to increase your breast supply. We have very poor data on all of the galactagogues, specifically the pharmaceutical ones, because all the studies are designed completely different, so we can't compare them. So you will hear people who say, drink beer or... what are some of the ones that they're told? I don't um, drink beer. You know, I've eat high that. fat foods, mm-hmm. or yeah, which is actually totally wrong because alcohol decreases your breast supply. But yes. the idea of like the barley and the oats, and so not to knock it and say that it can't do anything, we just don't have great data. And like somebody told you that, and you want to eat papaya, cool. But if there's a real reason as to why you're not making enough milk, or is it a latch issue or a transfer issue? Like, let's not also ignore what could be the organic issues and make sure we're targeting that too. So. Mm. Yeah, that's a whole world, whole world out there.
1: Now, we've got our baby home. It's all blissful. We've got our crib. Everything's ready. We've got our rocking chair (laughs) ready for breastfeeding. And we are like, we feel horrible. We hate our husband Mm -hmm. uh, or our partner. Mm -hmm. We have the blues, right? So what's all that about?
0: Well, it's normal. So baby blues, that affects about 80% of people who give birth. And that's the way that I counsel. I go through this with every patient I see in the hospital and send home. I say, did you know, number one complication of childbirth, it's not hemorrhage or preeclampsia. It's actually postpartum depression and anxiety. And that affects one in five people who give birth, but baby blues comes first. That's usually in the first one to two weeks. And that's like the, you watch the Hallmark commercial And you start to cry and like just for no reason, like you're happy and you're crying, but then you're okay. And that's the hormonal fluctuations, you know, all the excitement and that's okay. But what's not okay and what would count is what we call perinatal mood disorders or postpartum depression and anxiety is more bad days than good days. So I tell my patients, it's normal if you want to like think about throwing your husband out the window, like don't we all. But it's not normal if you're like taking the measurements and you're like planning a way to get them out or you're planning or you don't want to bond with your baby. You feel like you can't, (laughs) um, you know, it, it truly like or you're hearing voices or it's normal for us to feel anxious. Oh, my goodness. is my baby breathing when she sleeps and we check and they're okay and we go back to bed. It's not okay if you literally- That was me. Yeah, but if you literally stand up every night and you're staring at them and these thoughts are what we call sticky thoughts, that's not normal and we can help with that, whether it's through therapy, making sure you get good sleep, making sure you feel you have support or medication. These are temporary things that we can treat and it's important too because yeah. it affects you, it affects your baby, it affects the yeah. whole family. Yeah.
1: Well, my dear, if you can believe it, we are out of time again. Like, I mean- We just keep doing this. We, we have we just to keep, just keep doing it. <laughs> <laughs> now hold your beautiful book up let's see it one more time oh. Oh. and there she is oh i the love pastor. you i love you let's talk she's about, about one down there. pound she doesn't cry i know she's so beautiful <laughs> she's the best baby she looks great in my in my bookshelf and i would recommend we oh. are giving away some of dr lincoln's <sighs> books and you will get a special gift from the Body Agency, whether it's the vulva puppet or the coaster or pleasure oil for down there. We've got all sorts of options. So please go to thebodyagency.com, get the book, put your email in, and we will let you know who the winners are. So... Yeah.
0: And you know, I'm happy I'll send along some signed book plates, too. So yes. everybody can have an autographed copy. Because mm-hmm. It's even more fun. That and, you know, everyone,
1: <laughs> you got to know here that Dr. Jen Lincoln, she is a legend. She really is. She's one of the reasons I actually went to start the Body Agency as I saw her infamous TikTok. And I thought, OK, we need action here. So I'm Indebted to you, Jen, and best of luck with the book. Oh, you're the best. And this will become a regular thing. So let's get back on the podcast. I love it. it. Thanks so much, Kate. Thanks for having me. All right, my darling. I'll see you soon. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Sex, Body, and Soul. Remember, you can find all of my favorite products and resources to support your health and sexual wellness through my one-stop shop, The Body Agency. Be sure to sign up for our email list at thebodyagency.com for the latest curated recommendations from our industry experts and use our special promotion code to get a 10% discount, podcast10. Thanks for listening.